0: Welcome IronRadio.org listeners, this is Lonnie Lowry. I'm a bodybuilder and an exercise physiologist and a nutritionist.
1: Rob Fortress-Fortney, editor, journalist, former competitive bodybuilder and powerlifter.
2: And this is Phil Stevens. I'm the founder of liftforhope.org, StrengthGuild.com. I'm a competitive powerlifter and Highland Games athlete.
1: Mm -hmm. And you just just competed on the weekend. Tell us how how it went.
2: Oh, well, the, the cut was the worst part. It was much worse than the competing but I made it about a half an hour later than I wanted to um weighed in right at two forty two and then uh the next day I competed at two sixty two um so twenty pounds heavier <clears throat> and uh my only goal on the bench was just do something that doesn't hurt, because so, my shoulder's been messing with me pretty bad I hit three sixty five with no pain and it was easy and oh, then good. And then my only goal on deadlift was 700 at 242, so I opened with 650 and then took 700 for a second and got it easy and called it a day. Also, oh, you got um, it
0: right yeah. on, right
2: on. Yeah, and just walked away happy. I didn't you know, figure, you know, it was more of a, just a uh, little testing meet for greater things to come. So I wasn't gonna push push for the chance of an injury or anything on this one because the only thing I wanted was that 700. So I just took it and walked away happy. So
0: yeah, well, that was kind of best case scenario, right? I mean, yeah,
2: yeah, it went well. Well, real good. I was, I was pretty tired by the end of the day. That, that, uh, dropping all that weight took it out of me, but, uh, yeah, it wasn't did, bad. It
0: was did easy. it, did anybody show up on, uh, Facebook or, uh, anything to keep you company while you were
2: dehydrating? A little bit. John, uh, Giggins over in Australia was on there talking to me a little bit. So. Oh yeah. Cause it's like a lot different time zone there. So. Other than that, not much. I just right. went on and annoyed people. Every hour I kind of wrote down where my pounds were at, how many i dropped, stuff like that. Right. Yeah. Well, hey, listen, everybody. I've got some. Uh, I
0: guess it's not so much news. It's just a cool website that I stumbled across. I was going to bring to your attention. Uh, General Electric, you know, GE does a lot of health imaging type stuff and like DEXA units and all this stuff. But they, they're uh, affiliated with this website called Healthline. Um, so if you go to www.healthline.com and it's forward slash human dash body dash maps. Uh, so the human body maps, they've got free, you know, anybody can look at this. I mean, I was just looking at my lumbar spine because, you know, it, I got a stiff lower back. And But anyway, it's kind of cool. Now, I warn you not to try to self-diagnose because, you know, that's sort of the curse of uh, being a physiologist for me is I just go down this big list of, you know, organ systems and possible pathologies. So, you know, we're not physicians, but it's very cool to check this out. There's like some symptom checkers, and you could check on any part of the body here. Uh, so healthline.com forward slash human dash body dash maps. Uh, check it out. It's, it's cool stuff. It's like very, it's 3D computer graphics and you can basically go, you know, go through layers of the human body and just do all kinds of stuff. So it's pretty cool.
1: Right on. Right on.
0: Oh, and you know what? As far as training stuff, I was going to tell you guys, since I'm back here, um, uh, right now, uh, training at Peps Gym, I'm, I've been, um, Yesterday I went in and I was deadlifting and stuff, and, uh, speaking of which, we gotta get Pet back on the show, but, uh, I don't know, I, I'm just having a good time with that. Rob and I were talking the other day by phone about how I think I'm selling myself short, uh, with, you know, piddling around with low weights, but, you know, I wanna get the form down because it's a new movement for me, but, um so this time I'm like, well, instead of 275 and 315, I'll just do 315 the whole time, you know, it's not super difficult, so, you know, did, you know, five sets of just, just lower reps with 315, but it felt really good, you know, and I'm kind of experimenting with sumo. I can definitely pull more reps when I do sumo versus conventional, you know, cause my arms aren't real long and my hips are pretty flexible. So, but anyway, I'm just having a lot of fun with that. It's like, it's like a whole new, uh, a whole new thing for me. I don't know.
1: It's funny you say that because there's a gentleman that I've known now for a decade or so from various gyms I've been a trainer at and um he's several years older than us and he's but he's been a you know bodybuilder weight trainer for probably like thirty years. He's one of these lifer guys and uh not too recent uh long ago he uh approached me about getting serious about his deadlift and he actually um spoke of exactly the same things you're saying. He's like, you know, after all these years I've I've you know, this has given me a, a kind of a new lease on new avenue to explore that I haven't really and uh and he's getting all into it himself so you know, it really goes to show that you know it's there's there's always something out there that you know no matter how long you've been in the game that you can uh, you know either you know explore for the first time or re-explore, re or reinvigorate or you know change or just right. the way just a platform on which not in a literal sense but in a figurative sense that you know the platform on, on how you kind of view training and how what you do and all that type of thing. So right,
0: yeah, I, I almost wish you and Phil could be there and kind of watch me and say. You know, drop your hips lower. I think that's one of my big things right now. Is although it's comfy for me to get low, uh, the, the weights that I'm using right now, uh, you know, they're they're heavy for me. But you know, I'm 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 playing with how much of this should I just stand straight up all with my hips versus use my back because I kind of want to use my back. Part of the long-term thing with this for me is to build a thicker back, and I know that that's going to happen either way, I imagine, but. So anyway, I just kind of wish you guys could watch me. I did have Mike Walker there, and he's got, you know, he's a younger guy, and he's a big fan of the show, and he emails around all of us, of course, uh, listeners, but, uh, you know, so I'm I'm just getting as many pairs of eyes on me as possible while I do some of this. A lot of the things, Rob, you've been talking about are really holding true, like, uh, first of all, like in the last episode, we were talking about just accepting certain, like, uh, soreness and inconveniences and stuff when you train, and... You know, I've yeah. got big, I got big calluses across my hands, and I damn near pulled two of them away. I, like, and I, it was just like we were talking about. I'm doing it, you know, boom, boom, boom. I look down, I'm like, oh sh- crap! Yeah. <laughs> I'm tearing my hand apart. Yeah. But God, I can totally see what you're saying. You're not thinking about that when you're uh in the middle of the lift. You know. I
1: I don't know, Phil. Maybe you can chime in on this after I say what I'm going to say. But um, for me, you know, in deadlifts. It, it, I suffered a couple of just really bad tears, Um, and then since that time, um, I've really never had one again. Um, Phil, I don't know if that's been your experience. I mean,
2: I don't get anything bad anymore. I usually always at a meet, I'll end up with a tear in the middle of my hand. But I grab the bar really deep, but it's nothing horrible. Um, Usually, if you keep your calluses under control... You know, do a little manscaping on your hands, if you will.
0: Yeah, uh, I was just thinking that. Yeah.
2: Then, then things don't go too bad. But yeah.
0: um, how do you guys do that? This might sound weird, but I just take like the nail clippers and just trim them down.
2: That's, that's what I use.
0: Yeah. Okay.
2: I I just eat them. There you go, Robs. <laughs> you know, that's a big thing that people are now saving their uh their <laughs> nail clippings and calluses, and they're turning them into gelatin. <laughs> Did you guys hear about that? No, I haven't. Oh yes? God. Yeah, it's a new vegan thing, because they don't want to harm animals, so they, like, soak their fingernails and toenails and stuff in water, and then they make gelatin out of them. No. (laughs) Right along the drinking your own urine.
0: Dude, that is (laughs) wrong. (laughs) That's worse than Phil selling his beard or giving away his beard in a contest.
2: Exactly. Oh, my
0: God. Eat it. Yeah. Oh, my God. (laughs) Yeah, but, you know, I'm, I'm trying the mixed grip thing, too, and everything. You know, like, Fortress, you were saying, you know, as I work up in weights or... You know, just alternate my grip back and forth. I'm I, I'm just trying to be a good boy with all this stuff, you know. And it's it's yeah. kind of fun. My my back is nice and sore. Uh, maybe well, like, I,
1: sh- like I said about the grip thing. Obviously, you're, you know, if you use alternate grip, and I guess most people eventually will have, will have to. Very few of us are the double overhands for seven hundred pounds plus. Um, but you know, I mean, and you'll have your strong. Way that you alternate, but I, I do believe though in, in doing a, a certain, a select mu- amount of work with it, with your quote unquote weaker alternate grip. Just cause again, I mean, over time, I, I tend to think that you don't want to have any possibility of an imbalance anywhere. So, um, but you know, w- w- how I usually format it is I'll just do all my, most of my ups with, with the weaker grip. And then, you know, um, once I get to heavier weights, I'll, I'll go to my stronger one. But, uh, yeah. Because I have heard some stories of people having imbalances that resulted in some sort of injury or so forth. You know, if they've been doing it only only one way for you know many many years. So,
0: right. You know, uh, along similar lines, uh, I, I just put together a, a lecture for the pathophysiology students. I've got it's on the musculoskeletal system, and we're talking about like uh, I, I I couldn't help but pay close attention to some of the spine stuff. And you know, again with this, you know, being careful not to self-diagnose, but I think I have spondylolisthesis. It's a, it's from abnormal wear on the lumbar spine, and you get some shifting between the, the you know, the vertebral bodies of your, of you know, your lower vertebrae there. And because, uh, like, when I stretch, you know, I lay on my back and I kind of kick my legs back and forth and, and stretch. Uh, man, they're just like shifting all over the place. And I, apparently, it's it's often asymptomatic. It's not like I've got sciatica or any kind of a, you know, a herniated disc or anything, but. Anyway, yeah, I don't know, weird stuff. I, and I suppose if, if anybody qualifies for unusual, you know, strain and stuff, it would be uh, people who are bodybuilding and powerlifting. So, anyway, yeah, yeah. just kind of interesting to look at, look at pictures of it on that uh, website and stuff.
1: But, I want to say to people out there, and I've already told uh, Phil, that Fortress has entered the world of Twitter. Woo! <laughs> and nice. and, it's just, and I, I don't even know how I really... Um, Wound up on the Twitter site and signed up. I guess I just I followed a couple of links and before I knew it. I was at this Twitter page and it's you know sign up. So I typed in a couple of things and before you knew it, I had an account. <laughs> so I, and it's kind of funny and um, I think it's just I, I I believe it's just Robert Fortney. What you know one word Robert Fortney. So if, okay. if anybody wants to go on there, I don't know. If I, I suppose if I have you know more than a few a few people, I might you know regularly post stuff on there. Um, you know, not meaning to suggest that anybody necessarily is interested, you know, to know exactly how many A's I had in my protein shake that day or anything like that. But, you know, it could be fun. I don't know. It's kind of a yep. new, new, new thing for me. Cause as, you know, certainly as, as Lonnie knows, I've, I've always kind of been of a tech, pho- uh, you know, a phobia kind of guy. Um, yeah.
0: Technophobe.
1: Yeah. Um, so, you know, again, it's, it's, it's nothing to most people, but it's kind of, kind of cool for me. So. We'll see. So, if anybody wants to go on there and uh, hook up with, yeah, it's Robert Fortney. So, go there, oh, check it cool. out. Yeah, yeah you know,
0: people who people who do very mundane stuff with that, I think, are is, is just kind of stupid. You know, I'm at the ATM. Hey, thanks for that. <laughs> yeah. But, but it, can, it can be. I think it can be most valuable at like events when you're like tweeting what you're seeing, like you're some kind of big. uh I don't know, expo or or meet or something, you know, or... Well, uh,
1: you're not going to get very many kind of, like, trivial things from me, because, first of all, I don't even have a cell phone or anything, so the only place I can tweet is actually off my own computer, so... Yeah, yeah. So it, you, you won't get a, hey, I'm at the ATM from Fortress, so don't worry about that. Well, that's good. You know yeah.
0: what, I actually... I didn't even join until earlier this year, uh, because... Uh, the feed burner that we use partly for the podcast it auto tweets when we make a new episode, yeah. you know. So when I when I when I write the RSS feed and put it on the web page, and basically make the whole thing happen, it auto tweets it. So I'm like, well, that's reason enough, you know what I mean? It'll just you know kind of spread around a little that way. So that's, uh, right. you know. that's what I
2: told Rob. That's the only thing I use it for is my strength guild side. It'll automatically tweet it or Twitter it or whatever the heck they call it. That's that's all I use it for.
0: Right. Well, things are sort of built for me because I started. Uh, because of the places that I was following, you know, there are a lot of like science news kinds of websites. So what I do is I just kind of comb them and if anything looks really cool and relevant to us, I'll retweet it. You know, yeah. and I, it, you know, that way I'm kind of serving as a filter and spreading some good info, I guess. Yeah, yeah I, I'm not, I'm not doing that all the time either. So.
1: So I'm definitely taking this week off from my pre-contest training. I'm, I was going to do some active um, training this week, but I woke up this morning. So gutted from this past week of training, which, by the way, all three sessions I, for the rep range that I was working in, I, I broke records all three days. So, uh, yeah. So I'm, I, but I woke up this morning pretty trash. So I even, I'm going to even scrap the whole active rest kind of thing and just, just veg out this week. Um, uh, right. Cause you know I, what? I, I, yeah. Cause I believe I only have about five, five more active percentage sessions before the provincials championship. So. Um you know, and I, I've always kind of really benefited from, you know, taking a week off every several weeks. So, uh, certainly when you're pre-contesting your percentage points are going over 75, 80%, I'm, I'm sure Phil will agree. Um, you can really never get too much rest at that point, so. Actually, long, that ties long, in, right, I, I, go ahead. No, I was going to say, so as long as you're getting your work done, you know, and you're on schedule, um, whatever that schedule might be at any given moment, um, you know I, I think like I say I think it's always good to it's like the old bodybuilding edge right don't walk, run when you can walk don't walk when you can sit don't sit when you can lie down you know so yeah. you know um, as long like I say as long as you're getting the work in um, you know satisfactorily t- according to whatever program or routine or uh, whatever that you're do- doing I think again rest can never be too much you know well
0: actually that's what I was going to discuss because I was going to ask you guys I mean coming from a bodybuilder perspective you know I am almost certainly burning fewer calories and workouts. And I mean, that's a silly way to put it, but you know what I mean? Like the total amount of energy, it, it, it's more nervous system instead of physical, you know, number of reps and all that kind of stuff. Sure. And sure. I, I'm starting to think that, you know, I think powerlifting almost lends itself to building guys who are a little bit higher percent fat because, you know, you, you scorch your nervous system. Like yesterday after I did my five sets, you know, in the, in the deadlift, I barely did any accessory work at all. You know, I was thinking about what Phil was saying. You know, he actually tones down the music and everything and kind of, you know, takes the accessory stuff easy. But I did my meat and potatoes kind of workout and then I'm toast. You know, and, and so I, there's no way I can go back in and do that again today. I mean, I was reading some stuff from Louis Simmons uh, in a magazine up at the gym and he's talking about doing multiple high intensity days during the week and then also weaving that in with multiple high volume days. And I'm thinking, I don't know. And I know, Rob, you don't like when I say I'm not built for that, but man, I can't do that crap.
1: Well, you know, you know I I don't think that has a whole, a whole lot to do with what you're specifically talking about because, um, you know, in my you know early days of of, of power, switching to powerlifting from bodybuilding, I, I certainly, you know, was at the time it coincided with you know the, the kind of the rising of the West Side, Louis Simmons kind of, you know, um, way. And the gym and the whole aura of that whole thing. And uh, certainly I tried to follow along, to, you know, in, in, an, ab- in an, ab- an abbreviated sense with what they, you know, prescribe. And there's just no way. And I mean, certainly, I, I you know, what I'm about to say is not, you know, um, talking out of turn because any one of them, including Louis Simmons, would, would say the same thing. Everybody who works out at Westside is using performance enhancing drugs. Um, so that has to be factored in massively. And I don't think really um, you know I, I don't think any really consideration was given to the fact that hey some lifters out there actually aren't using performance enhancing drugs um, because you know as as Louis himself has said you know he doesn't even understand why anybody would lift weights unless they were on drugs which of course I of course I absolutely do not agree with I, I think that's a ridiculous statement but um, yeah and you know what In the times that I did try and do a lot of that you know, max effort day. Um, you know, would it, during the same week with you know a, a dynamic, dynamic day, acceleration day. Um, the, the, mostly, the only things that I suffered from is, is inflammation and a general burnt outness that happened in you know within several weeks. So, yeah, yeah. so and again, I'm not putting those methods methodologies down because because I'm, I'm, again, even to this day, I, I I've kind of um, you know leached. A lot of that stuff. But that's something that can only become from experience and time, you know, and um, to understand what what works and what doesn't work. I mean, how often times do we go into the gym and, you know, you see somebody doing something completely ridiculous and you're trying to talk to them and they say, oh, I know what works for me. And you just know that they have no idea what the hell they're talking about, you know, versus somebody who actually maybe does. Because you can see that what they're doing is just stupid. It's not by design. It's
2: just stupid.
0: Well, you know what, Rob? I think
2: sometimes. Uh, Go ahead, Phil. I was just gonna say. I think you got to remember too that the things like that, the the, the two max effort days, the two um, dynamic effort days, and then the two or three conditioning type days are extra workouts. It's it's everybody sees that as okay. This is the template, and they don't they forget that it's something to be built up to. Um, and, and Louis will even say that you don't just go from not doing it to add it all on you You, you right. slowly had the oh, stuff no. on it, it's yeah. just like a football player, you know people look at professional football players, well, look how he trains, and they all want to train like him. They forget that the kid's been playing since he was seven years old, Oh yeah, the guy he's built up this muscle mag,
0: yeah, yeah,
2: he's been built up for you know he's built up this work tolerance for twenty years. <laughs> right yeah but i I
1: mean you know this goes back to something that we're always bringing up the whole idea of just mileage on the joints and so forth. and and i mean but and certainly phil what you're saying is absolutely 100 percent spot on but you know that that's one piece of you know many pieces that have to be considered when anybody's actually gonna it's like the whole idea and lonnie certainly you can relate to this the whole idea back when you know, Mike Mentzer kind of took the Arthur Jones thing, you know, about the heavy-duty thing, and then, of course, in the, through the 90s, Dorn Yeats kind of ado- adopted a lot of that whole idea, too. And, um, you know, and, and, and it's interesting because that's kind of um, the, the hardcore premise of heavy-duty has kind of fallen out of fashion um, because certainly most people that tried it, um, and certainly people um, said a lot of what you're saying, Phil, you have to work up to it, you know. But, but at the same point, lots of very experienced people, you know really suffered um you know a lot of injuries and, and just burnout and you know in, in fact a lot of careers in bodybuilding have in large part been been sabotaged or cut short because of of that kind of training Dorian Yates is included i mean um and i don't, I don't think he would probably argue that a lot of you know what he did around that kind of heavy duty premise probably you know um Premeditated a lot of what would eventually happened to him with muscle tears and all that kind of nonsense. So, well, you know what? But, but, but those things. But what I was about to say is certainly modern bodybuilders who haven't, you know, who, who have experience and, and certainly, a, you know, a, a knowledge of, of all the different routines that have gone through the years. Certainly have taken. I use the word before leech. Have, you know, have borrowed, leached, um, you know, um, taken. Sentiments and, and ideas of heavy duty and incorporate into the broader thing, and I think I think in a lot of ways within hardcore strength training, the whole West Side Louis Simmons thing is much the same way. I think most people find, even people who do work up to it, find that you know as a you know a specific one hundred percent hardcore detail of what that system entails, it probably won't work for most people. And, and like I say, I really I really do believe that it's for the most part it's it's not. Feasible. But certainly many elements of it can be taken and borrowed and used and incorporated into something that's a little bit more digestible for the average person who maybe isn't, you know, using, uh, sports performance in drugs or whatever, whatever. Right, right. Well, I'll tell you what. Sorry, go ahead.
0: Rob, I think a lot of guys, if if they were to do tons, if they were to do just sort of general physical preparedness and just like conditioning days, they'd look like a cross trainer. They would not, again, because of the, you know, the the lack of androgens flooding the system, you know, they're not going to be these giant dudes, uh, powerlifter looking guys even. You know, they do a lot of that sort of cardio related stuff. You know, it, it's, they're going to look like a cross trainer, you know. So it, you're right. A lot of the, what you see those guys do, and I'm fully aware of that, sure, but, you know, is it works for them. It works for that population. But just like bodybuilders are often guilty of, you know, I see these bodybuilding, like, contest prep guys. They're constantly giving advice about how they get ripped, you know. And one guy in particular, I'm not going to go on about it, but he was saying, oh, yeah, you know, I do – I like pre-breakfast, you know, sort of non-panting cardio, uh, about 30 times and I'm shredded. And I'm like, okay, you know, let, you're on, you're on gallons of growth hormone. <laughs> you know, that's gonna work for you. The average guy is just gonna, you know, 30 sessions isn't gonna do anything. You know, he's certainly not gonna have skin like pink cellophane with
1: Well, no, that. and you know, guys, even guys like Paul DeLette used to, people used to always talk about, you know, cause they, whenever you'd see that video of him, you know, he was always in the background of, the, you know, the, Venice Gold's gym, you know, you'd always see him in the background standing on a treadmill, you know, walking, you know, almost. If he was going any slower, he'd be going in reverse kind of a thing. And people would always be like, oh, so, you know, that's that's how he gets ripped up. And like you say, people people don't, either through ignorance or through that, they're, they're just purposely not trying to acknowledge it. They don't realize just what these people are on. It's like, I don't know if you recall the name Phil Hernan, Lonnie. He was one of those guys. Yeah, but of you up- know what?
0: They don't realize it themselves, is what I'm saying. The gurus themselves—they're applying what works for them to other people, and it's apples and oranges.
1: Yeah, yeah, Yeah. and and, and like I said, but yes, I remember that. Right. I'm just saying, like you know, so ultimately you have to take all these things and balance them out. I mean, you know, how old are you? How long have you trained? I mean, because I mean, let's be realistic. I mean, there's a difference between the mileage on the joints of a 18-year-old versus the mileage on joints of us. Um, And you have to, and and that's what I've. Really come to realize in the last few years is um, not in no way am I making concessions for my you know my amount of years that I've lifting, but I'm modifying things to to you know to the to the interest of of preserving you know my health now knowing what I've done for all these years and the mileage that I've put out. I mean, we talk often about things like junk reps and that type of thing, and certainly. If I could go back and change anything, I mean, there's certain elements I wouldn't change because of maybe the psychological toughening and all that type of thing. But one thing I think I, I really would change is probably just um, not how I trained and kind of the, the sadistic nature of uh, or masochistic nature of some of the stuff that I did, but rather just a lot of the junk reps that I did, things that didn't need to be doing. You know, like I mean, if you if you if you plow as hard as you can with it, with it, you know one or two sets of squats and you're you know bent over throwing up. Um, You know, was it really worthwhile then to go over to the leg extension and the hack squat and, you know, these junk reps that just put unlimited mileage on, you know, that, I mean, be measured with what you're doing because whether you're a bodybuilder, powerful strength, strongman, whatever, I mean, really the goal is to get where you want to go with his little work. Right. I mean.
0: Right. Well, and I'll tell you, Rob. I think one of the things I almost feel like saying, you know, some listeners don't try this at home, in a way, because it, fitness programming has a lot that goes into it. There's a whole book, in fact. Vivian Hayward wrote a book called Advanced Fitness Programming. It's not just for the power stuff. It might be better to look at something from the NSCA as far as uh, you know progression models. But the point being is, you know, at least we have the education and the wherewithal to keep uh, playing with this stuff you know and like like I'll give you an example like um, I'm sort of progressing in a very specific way and it's not linear periodization and it's not really reverse linear either but it's something that's very simplistic and I I like you know uh, but anyway I was thinking this morning about the um the analogy of you know uh, powerlifters are like dragsters you know like why is it that I have to lift less and I'm getting a little fatter well because uh, like Bodybuilders are indie cars. They run hard and they run fast. But they do, you know, multiple laps. But if you take a dragster and you try to do an indie car thing with it, you're gonna ruin it. You're gonna, I mean those things blow their engines just with their, a normal single run or two. You know what I mean? And so now when I'm, when I try these deadlifts, if I'm doing like five sets of five or five sets of four or something like that in the deadlift or the bench or the squat, uh, I can't pretend that I'm an Indy car right now. I, I have to rest. I'm, my central nervous system is burnt. You know what I mean? And then that whole next day, I mean, I, <laughs> I just slept. You know, it's just, um, it's just a different animal. And I know I can build up eventually a little bit of resilience there. But the bottom line is, you're not going to run uh, a dragster around uh, Indy 500 track that many times. It's just not going to happen. And and so, you know, so that's why what I was asking you guys is, do you think that model of lifting, because you're just not doing as much volume, I'm I'm in the gym about the same amount of time, you know, but there's like, there's like five to eight minutes probably on average. I don't really time it between my sets. And so I'm just burning fewer calories and I'm getting a little bit fatter. I think the whole, um, uh, the whole outlook is kind of geared toward strength and with, with strength, unless again, you're on all kinds of you know, performance-enhancing stuff, you're going to get a little fatter in that process, and that's probably yeah. good.
2: Well, the- Oh, yeah, yeah. And I think you also have to pay attention to, um, you know, what time of the season you're in. I mean, there's a lot of, like me right now, my only goal is put on the weight. I'm way away from a meet right now because my, ne- my next meet is going for that 800. So right now it's me filling out my weight class. So it's backing off on the heavy stuff, just hitting what I need to briefly, and my... My concentration then goes on all the assistance work, um, which will get me. It'll get me bigger and probably a bit leaner too, hopefully, and and you know put on a good good portion of mass. And then the funny thing is, is when you're at your strongest, when powerlifters are the strongest, they're backing down for the meat. They're lifting a lot less volume, a lot heavier. They're 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 fatter in season. They're fatter when they're at their best.
1: Yeah, which which is interesting, right? Because as we know, it's kind of this weird. Um Situation in bodybuilding, right, where, you know, you're looking at the, you know, the guy on stage, and I remember, I think it was Greg Zulak once in, in, in a little mini documentary that aired on TV maybe 15, 20 years ago, where he said, it's interesting in bodybuilding, because when you're looking at that guy on stage, the guy who's, you know, got the most glowing skin, the most, tra- you know, transparent skin, the guy who's, that's the guy that's closest to death. And, which is always kind of the weird thing, right, because you're looking at this guy, he's supposed to be kind of the, the, at least the aesthetic embodiment of masculinity and strength and stuff, but, I mean, Phil's absolutely right. I mean, people always say, you know, just recently when I'm saying, oh, you know, I take the last week, week and a half, whatever, from a training off. From, oh, what do you do in those last couple of weeks? I'm not just sit around and get fat, you know. But the thing is, to what you're saying, Lonnie, about, um, correct me if I'm wrong. I know you're not a physiologist, but in, in well, in this sense, I don't think. But correct me if I'm wrong. I've always heard that slower, heavier training induced more of a growth hormone response, whereas faster volume kind of quality training, um, i.e., you know, uh, minimal rest between sets kind of induced more of a testosterone response.
0: Oh, well, I, I do I do know that by the time you're in your 30s and 40s, you don't get much of a growth hormone surge like you did well, in your sure, 20s. Well, sure, sure. You know, but either right. way, I mean, there was some data. I, it might have been Bill Kramer years ago. He was actually showing that shorter rest periods uh, between sets of squats, I think he was doing, caused a greater uh, growth hormone release. Oh, so. Okay. And, and, well, and so what What we're doing, it, it may be more uh, just nervous system preparedness, or maybe it's testosterone-related. I, I don't know.
1: You know, uh, and it's interesting also, you were saying something that kind of um, triggered something in me. The whole idea that, you know, when I used to be a bodybuilder, you know, I mean, even though I always considered myself a power bodybuilder, you know, I mean, I used to think it was a long duration to take, you know, four, five, six minutes between a, you know, a heavy set of squats or something. And, you know, I used to hear about a lot of powerlifters, literally, Sitting around like a campfire, <laughs> you know, well, you know, streams of guys would be doing their sets and it would be, I'd be thinking, well, you know, but you know what? When you really start getting into it, um, to any degree of kind of like, you know, um, success, whatever level you're at, you really do realize that, you know, between your heavier sets, when you're kind of working over 75, 80% of your max, certainly even more than that, you know, a 10, 15 minute wait between your big work sets is really not a lot. You know, um, it just, you know, you're, you're so tired that by the time that, that next, sec, you know, you, it, it's 10, 15 minutes later and you're like, sometimes, I mean, I literally have waited 20 minutes or more between a set yeah. and it really well, you know doesn't what? seem uncommon. It,
0: it, it, for me, it's also like uh practice. You know, it's not a workout in that I'm trying to wear out, you know, and exhaust myself. When I would do bodybuilding training, I always did heavy stuff. You know, I would be back at it. Even if I might have waited three to five minutes between sets, you know what I mean? There was, I was dripping with sweat. I was, you know, raging through the whole thing. And now I'm almost looking at it like practice, like learn these movements because the powerlifting bench press is not what I've done in the past, you know. And like the deadlifts, sort of a new thing for me. And squats are neither here nor there because that kind of has always come more natural to me. but. The point is, it's like a, it's like practice. And you know, I don't want to be ruined with fatigue when I go up and I'm trying to burn in these motor patterns. You know what I mean? Because I want this stuff like, like the squat, I could, I could literally do in my sleep in the middle of the night and have good form. It's just, it's almost spinal. And you know, it's so reflexive, but I haven't earned that in the deadlift. So to me, I'm practicing. And I'd old track coach used to say, you know, Lonnie, don't practice a motor pattern or a movement pattern when you're fatigued, you know. Because you're going to end up compensating with assisting muscles and this and that. Or like, I mean, imagine all the nuances in the deadlift or the bench, for example. And I, I don't want to do them badly. I don't want to, I don't want to create bad habits from the get-go. So those long rest periods, not only do they say, alright, central nervous system, take a break, you know, but they also make sure you're not fatigued when you get back under that bar. Cause even when I'm done, like yesterday, I felt done. It's a different sensation, but I'm not soaked with sweat. I don't feel like flat right, right. muscle de- depleted, just heavy, I
1: guess. Yeah. Yeah. No, and, and, you know, it is very important. I remember, you know, reading a lot of things years ago about the whole idea of what you're talking about, the whole idea where, um, you don't want to train yourself to fail. And so much of what is traditional, you know, certainly westernized kind of hypertrophy bodybuilding training is steeped in the whole idea of constantly failure, right? I mean, whether it be forced reps, negatives, running the rack, you you know, the full pyramid scheme, all those types of things are geared towards ultimately, like you're saying, the whole idea between, I never even thought of it like this, but the whole idea between, yes, workout, you know, wear out, and all that kind of training is geared towards that, right? You're always going to the point where, You're done. Your muscle can't even, you know, um, contract anymore. You know, right, right, Uh, yeah. You're trying to do shoulder presses, running the rack, and you know, you wind up with 15 pound dumbbells. Whereas you have to get your mind around the other way of things if you're doing hardcore strength training, which is the whole idea. Which and I do subscribe to this 100%. Never train yourself to fail. You know, and yes, once in a while, of course, you're going to miss a rep. That's inevitable. Um, But the, certainly the vast majority of the time, you don't want to ever fail because, like you say, that that indicates that you've gone past the point where, yeah, you're, you're training things in a proper way. And let's be realistic. I mean, when you're going balls to the wall 100%, what regardless of whatever weight is on the bar, whatever reps you're doing, when you get to those last few reps, if it really is 100%, things are starting to fall apart. You know, things are really starting to fall apart. I mean, uh, I don't care who you are. If you're doing a max set of, you know, 10 reps with, you know, some ball-busting weight that you've never, you know, I mean, I'm sorry, but those last two or three reps are probably not going to be picture perfect. Because if they are picture perfect, it isn't 100% with that weight.
0: Right. But uh, but we're trying to stay picture perfect. You know, Mike was watching me sure. yesterday, and he, and he said, you know, Lonnie, he goes, you got a couple more reps in you with each one of those sets. I said, you bet.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. And that's yeah. something that you have to really get used to, too, if you're in kind of a more kind of commercial gym. Because people aren't really knowledgeable about, you know, again, pure strength training. And I, I, I hear that constantly. You know, like, I I'll, because I'll, I don't have a regular training partner, so I'm usually, you know, like stealing guys from around the gym, you know, to give me spots and so forth. And I I always hear it continuously. Oh, you know, you had another. You know, I'll do, you know, five, and I was only supposed to do five. And I'll put the, you know, and I do find that. Come on, two more, two more. You know, and, and I have to explain to these guys it's it's not about for me doing oh I got five and I could do two more you know so so force out two more reps <laughs> it's not about that you know um, and, and it really is a different way of looking at you know how you train and again getting the most out of what you do in as little it as you can do it right so I mean if if you get away with you know um you know ten work sets total um, for an entire workout you know accessories and as you would say, lying meat and potato stuff. That's good. You know, try and squeeze in as little as possible. Sometimes, you know, if you're doing a heavy, heavy, heavy work, and you know, percentage is above eighty percent or so forth. Sometimes those those workouts will take. You know, you you think, oh, geez, you know, I've only done, you know, six work sets. You know, like work sets meaning excluding all warm ups, and. You'll have only, you'll have been in the gym already for like an hour and 45 minutes. And certainly I know guys who are, you know, you know more heavily equipped lefters. Phil certainly knows what I'm talking about. Some of those guys, I've heard their workouts take three, four hours.
0: Okay, okay everybody, we're going to go to break here. Uh, and when we come back, we're going to continue with this sort of discussion of recovery and how strength sports differ a little from bodybuilding, et cetera, and, you know, with drug use and no drug use and whatnot. So we'll be back in just a moment. Alrighty, righty, listeners, we are back here at ironradio.org. Rob Fortney, Phil Stevens, and myself, Lonnie Lowery. And we're talking about recovery uh, from different types of strength sports. And one of the things I wanted to ask you guys was, uh, you know, some of your favorite recovery techniques. I mean, there's lots of ways to monitor recovery. Uh, I've lectured on it before, but I'm curious about, you know, the kinds of things you do to Uh, relax, especially because to me, it seems like with bodybuilding, it's almost easier to recover in that if you're glycogen depleted, you eat carbs, you know, but with powerlifting, it's your, it's your central nervous system that you're trying to coax back to, you know, uh, to life. So, I don't know. What about you, Rob? What, what's the kind of stuff that you actually do to recover? Or do you, do you nap or take hot, you know, cold I, co- contrast showers or what?
1: Well, well, certainly lately I have actually been doing just that, um, you know, the whole contrast shower thing. Um, if, I, if it's deadlift, I'll just aim the nozzle at my low back and just keep alternating back and forth between hot and cold. And for the people there who don't do it, the first several times you do it will feel like you're about to die when you turn on to cold. But, yeah, I guarantee, yeah. but I guarantee you, you do get used to it. Not saying that cold is still not cold, but you really do adapt to it. I mean, I can get in the shower right now and do that, and it, it's not nearly the, <laughs> the traumatizing experience that it was that when I first started doing that. But outside of what you're saying, certainly what you're saying about the central nervous system, yeah, absolutely. And I certainly notice that, um, you know, I, I kind of get very—I use the word suppressed—in we, you know, the, the, few, the few days after a very, very heavy workout. Um, and what I'll do is I'll just go with that, and I'll try and almost magnify the suppression. And what I mean by that is I'll try and stay not excitable, um, be almost very quiet, um, you know, stay very still. Um, and I certainly won't do things like on days off where I've tried to recover. I certainly won't engage in things like caffeine, coffee, and all that type of thing because I don't see the really need to, you know, excite my central nervous system as a, as a strength athlete on days where I'm not actually, you know... Um, calling upon it and i'm actually trying to re you know rejuvenate it so i don't see the point if you're a hardcore strength athlete and again trying to stimulate your system um, when that's the last thing you really want to do because you're trying to rejuvenate your system no that's um, good yeah 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 so but i try, i try and be just very for lack of a better word serene and you know over the years you know i've always noticed that the bigger stronger athletes always tend to be very almost very like docile and and serene you know, when, when they're not lifting, I mean, case in point, I know he's a bodybuilder, but Tom Platt's, one of the things that was most startling to me about him was just how much of a kind of a very calm, relaxed gentleman he is when he's not lifting. You know, and then he completely turns into, it's like Jekyll and Hyde with him in the gym. And I've since then, of course, I've noticed that a lot of top strength athletes, strongmen, powerlifters, whatever, are exactly the same way. You know, you see some of these beastly men who are like, you know, 350, 400 pounds, and when they're not lifting, they're actually extraordinarily calm yeah. and serene. And, and I've started to really understand that that is almost something that just happens whether you want it to or not really, cause you yeah. have to kind of, you have to balance that. I mean, you know, you were talking about the drag, you know, you were using the analogy of a drag car and certainly what is a drag car doing when it's not, you know, racing that drag, right? It's, it's being tuned up. It's being, you know, pampered. Well, the whole thing is the same thing. When you're not, when you, when you're asking of yourself to perform at such a high level for such short spurts of just incredible, you know, intensity, the, uh, the other times you have to be almost trying to achieve the opposite of that, which would just keeping yourself very calm, very relaxed, not allowing yourself to get overly excited. And certainly, like I say, I mean, not that I ever was a big club guy and certainly now at 41, it's too late even if I want it to be, but, I see guys who, you know, engaging those types of things and you know, when they're days off or that, you know, they're out all night partying or, or they're going to parties and whooping it up. And certainly everybody likes to do that once in a while. Of course, there's no problem with that. But if you really are a serious strength athlete, you have to fundamentally understand the detriment that is to the overall picture of, like you say, trying to rejuvenate your nervous system at every available second that's not you in the gym lifting weight and and I think that's best achieved like I said by eating well and staying calm the best and, and if you're a homebody type person you know what that is just going to serve you for miles and miles yeah because um and, and certainly the more distractions you can keep out certainly it's harder if you're married and you have children and your wife's yelling at you and you know the kids are punching you in, the, in the ass and everything but the point is is like you have to do as best you can with whatever situation you find yourself in as is what is your life to try And be calm, you know. Well,
0: you know. Let me ask Phil then. Phil, I mean, you've got a gym to run. How how do you do that? You know, I mean, and you you do have—you got kids punching you in the crotch.
2: Yeah, exactly. Um, I think Rob's correct. Uh, You got to balance it out as much as you can. You just can't let things get to you. You know, you've just got to learn to kind of be. I just let things roll off me as much as I can, and I just know I'm doing what I can every day. I got two businesses to run. I got I got three kids in the house my wife and uh you know so it's just it's learning that i think i really think that um food is an understatement i think one of the biggest mistakes people that get into this play is they don't they don't accept that look i'm going to be a strength athlete i'm going to get i'm going to add some body fat it's going to happen um for me to recover that's one of the first things i do is just i start eating um because one thing i'll notice is when i'm when I'm getting ran down is when I'm starting to lose my appetite and yeah. things like that. That's not a good sign. No. Um, get extra oh. sleep. Um, don't be afraid to explore other things in life. You know, after a meet, the last thing you need to do is go back to the gym. You know, go out and, and, and I don't yeah. know, go, go for a hike. Go, go, <laughs> yeah. s- explore other parts of your life. You know, the stuff can't define you. You've got to be more than that. You've got to have a way to, to detach from it. And I think Rob's right, and I think the best athletes I've seen are very, very, very calm, low-key people away from their sport.
1: Yeah, it's almost because they've they've uh, they're capable um, either through you know through training or through inherently what they are as 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 individual animals, but they almost have that you know such an ability to you know to summon so much intensity and animalism yeah you know but, but and over time, you almost be able to it's almost like the Hulk and the whole thing with you know uh, yeah. David Banner you know doing nothing but trying to you know find how he can control that rage and that beast, yeah. you know and that's what he's it's not necessarily what what that he necessarily doesn't want to be it or have it i mean in in some ways he doesn't either, but he you know the number one priority for him is trying to find out how to control it yeah and I think that's when you're seeing um very elite athletes and strength athletes. They've they've had so much experience and training that they actually be, come to a point where they can control it, and if I okay for instance if I had to squat this afternoon I don't feel like it at all um, and I'm actually you know taking the next few as I said the next few days off I would actually find that placement sign me and ramp myself up to it now would that be the best course of action no because you know it would almost be like falsifying something that's not really there because i am so beat up but the point is is that you get to a point where you can harness it it's like in that cheesy um 80s sylvester sloan movie the one where over the top where he's the arm wrestler and he has the baseball hat on yeah phil uh, mentioned that a few episodes ago yeah yeah and you know he always you know right before he was going to do his arm wrestling he would take the brim of the hat and pull it so it was at the back and that kind of was for him, as he explained. It was like it was like a switch when he turned on the switch. Oh yeah. Well, again, a very accomplished athlete in any manner of athleticism, whether you're a hockey player, I think has that ability over time to harness it when you need it. But again, you have to be mature and responsible for it, and say that you know there is a finite amount of that available to you, you know, and right. and you have to conserve it. And that's why I'm saying when you're not doing what it is that you do that requires that kind of intensity and, and, and animalism. Abandon it. Let it go.
2: I think, I think, um, Dan John had, had his little, uh, his little circle of life thing. Says it great. I mean, the harder you, the harder you work, the harder you gotta play, the harder you gotta rest, and so on. You know, it's, it's one slice of the pie changes size, the other one gotta go with it.
0: Well, you know, if I could Um, put that in mathematics terms, think about it like this. Like, you'll get some people, uh, maybe even bodybuilders fit this mold a little bit more, but if you've got a hundred percent of nervous system output, you know, in your life, bodybuilders or a, a lot of people, they might go through life at a steady six or seven. You know, they're, they're, they're pretty up. Uh, yeah. whereas the power lifter, again, he's, it, it, he's going to go through life at a three and then jam it to a 10. Yeah. You know what I mean? But on average, he's still a seven. You know what I mean? So, but it's just it's more varied from very low output to very very high output, and sort of like three quarters output all the time. Yeah, you know that's the way I'm starting to understand it at least.
1: You know, I always say to people in the gym, and I've been saying this for several years to people. To me, there's nothing wrong with being a couch potato, um, but you have to earn the right to be a couch potato. Right. Um, But when you have earned the right to be a couch potato. Then you know what? There's nothing better <laughs> than being a potato. <laughs> well, that's no, you know it, yeah. it, it's, it's it's so. I mean, if you, you know, if you've done all the work that you need to do, and you're like, you know, like you're saying along, you're like, you know, you're, you're you just wake up, you know, one morning and you feel like a you know a wet bag of sand. Um, and we all know what that feeling feels like. You know, each leg feels like it's a thousand pounds, and not because you're really sore in a bodybuilding sense, but just everything is just heavy, and you can just tell you're just kind of to, uh, to use that word against you're suppressed. You know, there's nothing better, if you can afford it, to sit in front of the TV and veg for a few hours, you know?
2: Well, I think that's one of the hardest things to learn, too. I know it held me back for the longest time is learning how to do less, you know, because we're given so much in that brief amount of time. It's just learning how to, that more isn't always more. It's learning to back off and rest. Yes, and, right, You know, yeah. pick your battles, um, things like that. Well, I did that
0: in bodybuilding too. I mean, I did have to learn how to relax because you guys know I, am sort of, uh, I'm a little more hyper and high strong and, and even in bodybuilding, I, I, I had to learn to be lazy. I remember reading in a magazine ages ago. So like, you know, right now it's, it's Thanksgiving break coming this week, you know, and, Mm -hmm. uh, I'm, and so I'm, you know, I, I snapped with my dog this morning. I got up, ate breakfast, napped, went up to Chipotle, ate a couple of burritos. By the way, talk about big food. I love (laughs) <laughs> go you, you want to you go put on some weight, people. You know I'm a big I'm big into like meat pies and quiche and like yeah. tuna casseroles and stuff late, lately. You know just like big food. And I'll tell you, you, you go eat two of those large Chipotle burritos with everything on it, like chicken or pork or beef, whatever it is. You know. That'll fill. I admit those fill me up, you know. But two oh, really? of those, I think those are like twelve hundred calories a piece or something. Oh, yes. So I'm napping and just shoveling it back, you know. So you it's know, weird. and
1: that brings up a good point that you know kind of says to something that Phil was saying five ten minutes ago. The whole idea of if you if you are going for you know just the the absolutes of of your strength performance at any, any given time, you have to really understand that you're going to put body fat on because you know it's just certainly if you're a natural athlete. I mean, there's no way in heck that you're going to be feeding yourself appropriately. And I do use that word very measured, appropriately. If if you're trying to somehow keep your body fat levels at some, you know, I've got to maintain my 10% body fat. I mean, that's that's, that's just absurd. I mean, by, by extension of what we're doing, you're trying to always reach for that next rung of performance. And that means kind of going... You know, uh, kind of taking everything to the max. And that you know
0: what, Rob? I think I think one of the things that I'm coming around to, and we I've given it a lot of lip service with you guys before, but you know, it's another thing to truly appreciate it. it it's an appreciation of body fat. Like it's not an enemy. You know, it's yeah. it, it's yeah. an appreciation. I'm kind of comfortable being a little. You know, heavier. I mean, I'm, I am was looking in the same mirror that I was looking in, Rob. You and I were looking when I competed last. You remember I unzipped my sweater, and you're like, oh, my God, your abs are, you know. I, yeah, I was just right. shred it. And I'm in front of that mirror, and I look at myself now. I'm like, wow, that's not the same physique. But you know what? It's, a, it's stronger. It's a stronger physique. Yeah. And I didn't – I wasn't really dreading the body fat. You know what I mean? I'm you know, like, and there's a difference It feels the, kind of good in a way. I don't know.
1: Well, no, and there's. A, I always tell people there's a difference between, between being heavy and being sloppy. You know – um but the fact remains is that, you know, I don't... If if you look through all the, you know, the the, the history of the last, you know, whatever, how many decades of, of weight training and all the different, you know, facets of it, who are the ones that usually always suffer horrific injuries? Certainly in bodybuilding, if you're looking specifically at bodybuilding. It's always the guys before the competition, you know, when, oh, yeah, yeah. when their body fat levels get low. I mean, you got, got, got guys like Vince Taylor, you know, who was, like, pumping up backstage... You know, with, with a 50 pound dumbbell and tears his biceps. I mean, it's absurd. And of course you're ta- also looking at the fact that, I mean, it's one of those things where it's like a catch 22, right? Because on one side they're using so many drugs to be, achieve that. On the other side it's giving them so much more horsepower, uh, you know, which is becoming a detriment to them because they have less body fat. But the point being is even, even without, you know, the, the, the thing of drugs, you're, you're still. I mean, I wouldn't want. I'm sure. I'm sure Phil would say the same thing. Do you really want to be yanking as hard as you can with a 700 pound deadlift and be at like 4 percent body fat? I mean, is that <sighs> really? I mean, all that says to me, if somebody is that lean trying to lift heavy, is they're not eating enough.
0: Well, or, you, you, know you,
1: you
2: should never me, dude, be
1: that. It
0: says they're on drugs. I mean, if you watch, well, if you see
1: somebody bobbing
0: up and down in the squat with 600 pounds, you know, and he's ripped. I'm sorry. Yeah. That's not a natural state of being. Yeah. And anybody who tells you otherwise is a liar. Yeah. You know,
1: no, that's all. You, I need know. It, you know, and the whole thing is what I'm trying to say. Five minutes ago, is you need to always be eating a surplus, and it's not an exact science. Where okay, you know, uh, to recuperate from my uh, deadlift workout the other day, I need to exactly. It doesn't work like that, man. No. It doesn't. What it, I'll tell you how it works. You eat like what is? It? I just read something recently where somebody was saying when you're trying to eat for strength and size. It's, every time that you're not eating, you should be thinking about eating. You know, so you're either eating or you're thinking about eating. And, and, and it's not an exact science where like, you know, well, I need, I I need this much protein and this much car. Screw it. Eat everything you can. And you know what? Your, your partner can't finish off the last three pieces of pizza. You know, reach over
2: and grab those and eat those too. I think you just said on something else that was that is good. Um, you know, one thing I had to learn because I was much more into the physique side of things before, and it was it was micromanaging diet and this and that, and all that stuff takes a toll on your brain, you know, and your central nervous system when you're counting numbers and you're worrying about this and worrying about that. And you have got to learn to let that go in powerlifting too. I mean, it's because your central nervous system is, is taking a whack, and you only have so much mental ability to give to this stuff. And it just one of the biggest things for me was just learning to relax with food. Just eat. Oh, yeah. You know, don't freaking worry about it. Don't micromanage it. Just, just throw stuff in your mouth. You can't, like you said, there is no secret formula that says, I'm going to go in there, I'm going to deadlift seven reps with 650 for singles, and I'm going to need exactly 1,250 calories afterwards right. with a breakdown of, you <laughs> right. know, 60% protein and this and that. People try to figure, they spend hours trying to figure yes, out they what do. I'm dressing over it. And they're just, they're. All that stressing is leading to less progress. You know what, Rob? Well, that's it,
0: Rob and I wrote that article about crashing through. What we call it, like reckless weight gain, or something. We wrote that for T Mag yeah. a couple of months ago, and it was about. Listen, the people who are going to try to calculate this to the calorie, or even to within a, a hundred or two hundred calories, they're delusional yeah. because you have to, with all of the different variables that come at you in life. Uh, you know, and we're actually. I did some math, and I was showing everybody in this article about how much you had to power through. I mean, if you think you're overeating by a couple hundred calories, you're probably not. You have to eat as much as you possibly can, as often as you can, and that's how you make sure that you crash through these barriers. I mean, you know, when you hold more muscle mass, you, you, you require more calories. When you have sore muscles, that ramps up your metabolism, requires more calories. All these things together, there's only one way to overcome and recklessly crash through all of these variables that could be sapping calories from you, and that's to go hog wild. I'm not saying sloppy bulk and eat buckets of french fries and wash them down with, I don't know, uh, salad dressing or something, but I am saying yeah, I mean, stuff like... Large veggie pizzas and casseroles and meat pies and quiche. I mean, I am eating like some kind of, I don't know, a, I don't know what you would call it, a Highland or a Viking or I don't know what, but I am just bringing in, if there's lots of protein in it, then I'm not shying away from carbs and fats at all, and I'm sure as hell not counting them. I'm just yeah. bringing them. And I'll tell you what, you guys, this would sound funny, but next time you guys see me, if we see each other in the spring or something, you might be surprised, because I think in the spring, I might eat myself up to about 230 pounds. I've never Ooh. weighed that weighed that much before, you know. But you know, I can almost guarantee I'm going to blow through some of these barriers uh, yeah. in, in my lifts if I do that. Oh, yeah.
1: you know? listen, look, this is you know anybody who has experience having five, six hundred pounds on their back and pulling, you know, anybody who knows what that feels like knows that there has to be no matter how much of a sophisticated lifter you would like to aspire to be. And we all would to some degree, if, certainly if you're a perfectionist like I am, you like to be technical, you like to think of yourself as, you know, a very artful lifter. But let's, let, let's not kid ourselves here. The bottom line is, you have six, seven hundred pounds on your back, there has to be an element of animal beastliness to you when you're doing that. No matter how much measured and sophisticated you'd like to be. And by way of extension to that, if you want to live your life as a beast, <laughs> you have to eat like a beast. And be, and, and, and no beast Sits down and calculate and micromanages his diet. You know, a beast grabs a, uh, yeah. you know, a, a piece of meat right. and wolves it down.
2: Yeah, That's a pack what? of lions, a pack of lions don't cut off a small portion of an animal. No. They sit down and eat That's the whole right. damn thing. Right. You
0: know, and by the same token, like Rob's saying, instead of breaking out the measuring cups, I mean, there might be a time for that before a bodybuilding show, but of when course. you're trying to power eat, you know, it's more like, make sure you eat it, like, like I was saying, two of those Chipotle burritos or five sandwiches—you know, eat things in servings of roughly five or something—but that's kind of it. That's as close as the math has to get.
1: And you if know. you train hard enough and heavy enough, I don't think that you know your your brain is going to beat you up over eating in the you know in the hour or two after that session because it almost it feels right, and I'm sure many of our listeners and you guys understand what I'm saying when I say that. When you train really, really intensely and really super focused on something that's just, it feels right to eat a lot of food. Um, it, it doesn't feel like you're being gross or gluttonous. Glutless. It feels, I mean, it is if you're eating with no fork and you're, you know, just mashing your head in a bowl. But of it, friggin- like you
0: said before, it's justified. Then the naps well, no, and the, the food,
1: exactly. they feel right.
0: They feel right because you, you feel great. You're accomplishing stuff. This is part of the plan. You know, it's part of the program. Even in other sports, and I know we got to wrap up here, is I tell athletes, listen, this is a a basketball program or a wrestling program. It's not just wrestling exercise on the mat. A program entails the other 90% of the day when you're not in the gym, when you're not on the court, and you're doing all this other stuff to support it. And like you were saying, because of that intense spike, even though it's just 10% of your day, It enables and it justifies all the rest of it. And you don't, you honestly justify is not even the right word because that almost sounds like excuse. It, it does feel right. You can tell it's the right thing to do. You're putting back some of what you used and you're building toward tomorrow and your body likes it.
1: Yeah. I mean, nobody, nobody arrived at 330 pounds, you know, of reasonably lean mass, you know, by, by worrying at 210 pounds that they might be losing their abs. You know, and,
0: and Rob, be, that's where I'm at right now. I, it takes it takes a bit of getting over. It does. Oh yeah. Well, it doesn't.
1: You know, and I always say, like, I mean, I I most and Lonnie, you certainly know this. Ninety percent of all fat that I put on is my face. <laughs> my face is just is <laughs> is the receptacle for. A whole, I do the same. You know, thing. like I I put I put maybe like fifteen percent on my low gut, and like I said, like eighty or ninety percent goes right on my freaking face. And and I know, you know, I got a little fat little face, but you know what? You got to get over it, man.
2: Yeah, it's
1: like and that really sometimes. And I'm the first one to say to the listeners out there, I empathize with people who are only now experiencing ha- how some. It, it still bugs me, but I mean,
2: oh no, yeah, it sucks.
1: You yeah. have to, look, yeah, Phil, You certainly yeah. you've been heavier than I am. I mean, you, you just got to get over that, man. Yep. I mean, you don't want to look like bloody well John just <laughs> in the face, but I mean, you look at like that thing on YouTube. There's that. There's that. um, documentary that's on YouTube. It's called, uh, Power Unlimited or something like that. And, and the, the most striking is about, it's, you know, about, about a dozen parts on YouTube. You can see it. And it's all talking with all sorts of power lifters through the spectrum. And the thing that <laughs> jumped out at me the most about after I watched this thing was, wow, that's a documentary of fat faces. <laughs> you know, cause everybody had a big head. And it, but oh, yeah. it's like, but you know what? You look at their accomplishments and you know what? You can't say crap about what they've done. No. You know what I mean? So it's like, hey, there, there's got to be some sort of, like, connection there. You know, these guys, you, you think these guys are worrying about, you know, that they got a little, they're a little cheeky and stuff?
2: They don't give a crap. No. Yeah. If you can't accept some body fat, then you can't accept being strong. You just can't accept getting unusually strong.
0: And I'll tell you, Phil, for me, that's, I'm, I'm trying to get comfortable with the 20% body exactly. fat kind of thing
2: yeah. you know what i mean
0: i don't think i want to be 30 but let's face no. it you're not you know if you're training really hard you're not going to carry it the same you're going to have thick skin all over maybe exactly. but you're going to have broad shoulders and big pecs and it's not going to be the same thing as a skinny fat guy who's just sort of a you know he's got a spare tire and narrow
1: shoulders or
2: something you're going to yeah you're going to have the you're going to be the kind of fat where you poke it and it's hard Right. And not the sloppy. Well, that's why I the used the word before. So jiggly. Yeah. yeah.
1: Cause I mean, look at, look at Brad Gillingham. I mean, when, I remember when I met him, I was just, you and Lonnie, I, I, Lonnie and I actually met him at the same time. Remember Lonnie, you just kept going oh, yeah. how wide he is. And the thing that boiled me over is beyond his height and his width, It just how uh, big was. He, I mean, when you really looked at him objectively, he had a massive midsection. Massive. Oh, yeah. But yeah, you it's like, but I mean, but you just know that that thing is just like, you know it's there's nothing jiggly about it, you know what I mean, it's just power uh, belly, power it's belly, a, a, yeah. total power belly, so I mean there is a difference, you know um. You know, like you say, between the little soft guy, you know, with his little jiggly love handles, you know, versus a guy who's got, like you say, a power belly. But you know that if you you punch it, you know, it's like punching concrete. I mean,
0: that's funny. You said like Mike Walker was saying that about you yesterday, Rob. I I, we're totally out of time here, but he was actually saying something about, you know, Rob just seems like the kind of guy because he remembers when we went out after, you know, after that bodybuilding show I was in, and he's like, he just seems like the kind of guy you could just. You could just wail on this guy and it'd just be like punching, you know, like a heavy punching bag or a wall or something. Just, you know, <laughs> too solid. Nothing's going to happen, you know, so it's just kind of fun. Oh, but.
1: Thanks. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, so.
0: All right, but well.
1: No, good show, uh, Okay.
0: G- yeah, good show. That, was, and, that pretty and, much covered the recovery thing.
1: And I, to remind people again, I always do, uh, you know, send your emails, Robert Fortney on, on Twitter now. <laughs> Um, go to our Facebook page, leave stuff. I'm going to try and get on there more often, and uh, you know, let's build up this Iron Radio universe. And uh, you oh, know, and, our,
0: and don't forget the YouTube viewers channel that just started. Yeah, so right, right. If, if you have good videos, email them to Rob. He'll forward yeah. them to me, and yeah. I'll you know, and I'll put them up on the viewers channel. We'll get some of the Iron ar, Iron Army involved here.
1: Hot damn! All, All right, then. guys. Until next week. See ya. Sounds good. Thanks.
0: Sort of public radio for the bodybuilding and powerlifting and strength community. Hey, ironradio.org listeners, this is Lonnie Lowry, and I'm just bringing you a sneak peek only for Iron Radio listeners at this point. If you Google CRC Press, Lowry, L O W E R Y, and Protein, you can be some of the first people on the planet to see this book. It's specifically for strength athletes everything on the safety of high protein diets, the efficacy, the dosing, the types, practical applications and case studies. This is a textbook. It's not what I would call an industry book. This is not pseudoscience. This is the state of the art science. And if someone wants to critique you on your extra protein intake, this will be something you can hold up and say, this is what the literature says about stressed kidneys or bone loss or gout or dehydration or ample protein diets specific to a population like ours. Thank you. The Iron Radio Podcast and all of the audio on ironradio.org is for informational purposes only. If you're interested in starting a diet or exercise program, it's important to check with your physician. Also seek the help of registered dietitians, athletic trainers, and qualified exercise physiologists in order to make the progress that you need.